Thunder Media. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport. This will be the last of the interviews from Highlands Park, and I'm sitting here with William Skeets, who has now just won the New Zealand Grand Prix. An 18-year-old who uh, is on the rise. He's finished second in the points to his teammate, Roman Walensky, and uh, we've just been looking together at the uh, trophy, New Zealand Grand Prix trophy, which has got some stupendous names. Names, of course, which means some of them mean nothing at all. To Liam, names such as Sterling Moss in 1959 winners, John Surtees in 63, Stan Jones, uh, John Beerer in 1955. But tell me about the names here on this trophy that mean something to you. Don't let him talk shit to you. It's all he does is talk shit. So <laughs> come to hurry up. This young man's got to celebrate. Um. So it's Tony Quinn. With a can of Vitruvus in his hand. Um, yeah, I mean, names like Kenny Smith, um, Daniel Gaunt, Paul Radisich. I mean, there's more here that I, I can't see right now. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see names on here where, you know, some of these people have actually supported me and kind of helped me in some you, way or another. You mentioned about Paul Radisich. What role did he play in you? Um, yeah, I mean, the last few years, um, you know, kind of the backing of my Formula Ford and then my rookie season in CT Frock. And this year, yeah, he's just kind of offered me um, advice and um, kind of, yeah, reassured me that, that he's there if I ever need any mentoring. Um, yeah, I mean, this for, for an example, this weekend we've been going back and forth on text message. So, um, yeah, it, it's great to have someone like Paul's, you know, uh, guidance um, when he's had a lot of success himself. Indeed, indeed. You mentioned also Nick Cassidy, um, and uh, you went and did a, a regional race in Japan. Yeah, yeah, Nick, um, uh, during my time last year in Japan, um, he yeah reached out to me um, a couple times, a few times, um, yeah, and just offered me, offered me any help um, that I needed, um, yeah, so... You know, he's another one that um, I kind of I admire and look up to and then hope to follow in, in the footsteps of one day. Okay. Um, has much of your year already been planned through? Have you got much of it so solid down what you're doing this year? Um, no, I don't actually. This is the only, this was the only confirmed thing I have in, in, in Stillers really. Um, yeah, the future is uncertain for me. Um, but I'd love to see myself, and I guess the focus is to get myself over overseas um, to to the US uh, to compete in a full season over there. Um, but you know, time will tell. I guess I'm, I'm banking on a few doors opening now, up for me in the future. Unknown to you, because you're sitting in a car racing and concentrating. You know, commentators are up there sitting there saying, "Oh, he's having an untroubled race." Oh, look at him, he's just, you know, just sailing away with it. And you stretch the lead to five seconds or so at the end over Callum Hedge, who is clearly a fierce competitor. He was being closed in by Michael Shin, which you're probably being informed about, but really not concentrating on. But give us an idea about something of what was going on inside your head when you were racing there, because it's 27 laps, 100 kilometre race, you haven't done, haven't done many longer. Yeah, I mean, it was um, a long race for sure. But to be honest, it flew by quicker than I expected. Um, yeah, I mean, the first half of the race, Callum was on my gearbox and I, I could feel, I felt kind of his presence. Um, but yeah, mid to end the race, you know, I caught a break. Um, he started to struggle with the tyre. Um, yeah, and I guess, yeah, the entirety of the race, I just, I was very confident, very comfortable in the car, had, had belief. Um, and yeah, and, and came home with a five and a half second lead. So, did the car at any stage give any complaints? Did it give any sort of twinge, shake, rattle and roll at all? No, it didn't. Um, and that's credit to my team M2 competition. Um, yeah, they've given me a package this weekend and all championship long that's worthy of winning. Um, so it feels good, you know, to, to reward them. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, as I said, I had belief in, in myself and the car and, um, yeah, we, we managed to do it. Now, your engineer, Dylan Dunsmore, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, you've been with him for the five weeks. 
Um, and he, uh, uh, he he come from America. He has an American accent. Um, did you get to know him well during that time period? Um, yeah, of course. I've worked very closely with him. I actually worked with him last year when I did a test in the US. Um, so yeah, it was quite nice to you know know him before we got this championship started. Um, yeah, I mean, a huge amount of credit goes to him for all my success this season. I mean, um, he's been very good to me, um, helped me a lot along the way. Um, yeah, I, I would love to keep working with him in the future because, um, yeah, he, he, you know, he made my my season, um, I guess, a lot a lot easier. Well, William Skeets, I think you rewarded him well and truly, and certainly rewarded M2 competition um, with the, uh, what is now their 13th Grand Prix win, the most of any team competing in this series. Uh, congratulations, we look forward to hearing where you're off to next, and we sincerely hope that, and pretty sure that it'll be known where you're going very soon. So thank you very much, Liam Skeets, for joining us. I look forward to again talking to you and hearing of your uh, overseas uh, trips and travels. Thank you very much. Well, welcome back to Inside Motorsport. It's moments after race two of this weekend at Highlands Park. And uh, Ryan Belinsky has uh, taken out uh, not your first title, is it? Uh, no. No. Your first title was? Uh, in karting. Karting, right. Yes. Oh, so this is a big one. This yeah. Is a, uh, yeah, okay. All right, and um, because he's a teammate, we now have Liam Skeet standing mere feet away, and of course, he has finished runner-up in uh, this year's championship, um, but they both will be going out very shortly, within the hour, um, for the New Zealand Grand Prix, because both of them would like to have their name on that trophy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's going to be a struggle from where I'm starting, but I'll, I'll give my everything as I always do. But no, to, to win the championship finally has been a, a long and short five weeks. Um, there's been moments where it's been tough and amazing. So, yeah, in the end, I'm very happy to get the championship. And uh, yeah, what I'm feeling right now is amazing. And I couldn't do this without um, M2 or my engineers, my mechanics, um, also my teammates, especially Liam, pushing me all the time throughout the season. So, uh, no, big thank you to everyone. If he's not stealing your pasty or your pie or something like that, he's uh, stealing a green spot from you, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he didn't uh, give me much... Um, well, I wasn't ever, ever able to make a mistake, otherwise... Uh, yeah, he'd, he'd go in for it, but um, no, I mean, he's very fast and he's shown himself to be a very good driver. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And having him as uh, running second in the championship is a clear demonstration that it's competitive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it was going to be tricky. I always knew it was going to be difficult as I didn't know any of the tracks, but uh, learning off him at the start of a weekend and then me being able to learn off that and then improve, I think, was a massive thing. So, um, no, it's going to be tricky, but super happy to get the championship. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, um, both yourself and Victor, your engineer, race engineer, um, had an advantage and you knew the car and the tyre. So that takes out one part of the equation, but you still got, as you say, the tracks. Um, you, you talked yesterday to me about how they're similar to English tracks, and as you found out and... <laughs> unfortunately uh, experienced that there's uh, consequences to whatever you do. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and like you said, I found that out yesterday, which uh, doesn't put me in a great position for the Grand Prix, which is a shame, but I'll give everything like I always do. But no, the tracks, um, yeah, like I said, you just can't make a mistake. It, it goes from track grass to wool, um, pretty much, or track wool. Um, yeah. And... It's difficult because it's high speed, they're bumpy tracks, you can't go offline because there's marbles. It's very different to Europe where they're big, open, wide tracks, you have runoff. If you make a mistake, you can recover. So here I think it teaches you so much as a driver. This is exactly the same comments that Louis Foster made to me last year when I met him. Um, and of course, as uh, you know, he was in uh, Indy Next. Um, and. Uh, while he had a teammate in uh, Hunter McElroy, Hunter's not there this year, I don't think. 
I don't know. No, I don't know. Anyway, but let's talk about you. Where do you go from here? Do you know yet? Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm signed for Trident in Freca uh, this year, and then next year I'll be looking at hopefully going to FIA3, but it's all dependent on sponsorship, so uh, it would be very nice if we could get some sponsors, but um, I'm sure if I keep doing, the, keep doing a good job and do my best, hopefully good things will happen. Well, I'm pretty sure that's true as well. Talking with your mother, she feels that this consequence could be that yes, the sponsors come out of the woodwork and, and help you uh, continue your drive up the, uh, the scale of uh, Formula One racing, to Formula One racing, and uh, all the very best for a man. And uh, you're a delightful young man, and I'm, you know, I'm telling you that because I have three, three children, and uh, you know, um, it's uh, terrific to meet someone like you and Liam <laughs> and Callum. Thank you. Um, all uh, absolute uh, great young characters. Um, I've told a story which I, I won't bother with now, but um, it's uh, great to meet you and all the very best. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport. Tony Whitlock, I'm here with Victor Cortez, who is a race engineer and has just won his first regional championship with Roman Bolensky. Um, congratulations, Victor, because um, you and him too, uh, they've got a habit of winning here, you know. Well, yeah, it's an amazing job with the team. Like, it's, it's not my job, it's the team and the kid. Like, at the end, at the end, they do the things. I just make sure everything is steady and, and as, as it should be. No? But you've been five weeks with Roman and uh, and obviously uh, you had to get to know each other to start with. Um, there was a, a, a feeling out process uh, where you would understand not maybe what he was saying and he wouldn't understand what you were saying but he had experience with both the car and tyre so that was a good advantage to have. Yeah, we all both experience with the car and the tyre so we all understand uh, and I also work with Hankooks which is the biggest step in this championship this year. We yes. were swapping from, from Hankook to Pirellis. Yeah. So we got a good understanding of how the, the car should behave with these new tyres and, uh, and we came along I think after the first week, second week, got a little bit of not discussion you know but uh, open, open arguments like I think that, I think the other one but at the end, I think we came along pretty well, and, and, and yeah, I'm so happy to work with him. He's a very easygoing driver, one of the best debriefs I ever had uh, with him. Like very straight to the point. Uh, whenever he's driving related, he just blames himself. Like I know I can do better. Uh, he's not one of those drivers that start blaming the blames setup. Blames you, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or the the car, or the mechanic, or whatever. It it, it is a vibration on the steering wheel, but. That doesn't make me go slower. I know I need to do something, and, and that's something I really appreciate. I mean, race engineers are really interpreters. You have to interpret what they're saying and give them what they think should the car should be. Yeah, you're a translator. Basically, you you take an emotion and, or a feeling and you put it into numbers. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, in your, albeit brief, and I don't mean to be rude by that, but I mean, I've only been a motorsport journalist 30 years. So I've been listening to engineers and drivers for 30 years. And uh, one of the things, of course, is the drivers who use their hands the most are the ones who actually convey the most. You know that simple process when the driver's talking about something and you suddenly see his hands moving in a certain way? Yeah. He's showing you something. He's giving you an indication as to what he needs in the car. Yeah, yeah you, need to, you need to get back into, into the, the spreadsheet at the end. And it does also like moving, moving the arms or moving the, the ass or whatever, you know, and you need to understand uh, what, what he's feeling inside the car at the end. Indeed. Now, of course, you um, spent some of last year um, working with Callum Hedge. I did, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, one uh, friend of mine, an engineer, uh, he, he was doing the whole season with him and he's actually going to be engineering, engineering him for the, for the Indy. Yes. Next. Uh, so he called me, he couldn't assist to that, to that uh, specific round. And I went, we were working together in, in M2 here last year with Callum, so yeah, right. we, we come along. Yeah, like Roman, I mean, Callum is a remarkably calm and relaxed young man. Um, certainly doesn't give you any indication that he's uh, can be unsettled, but they all have that fire in them when needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very important to keep the head down, and mostly on the long races that the GP we're gonna face now, okay. uh, you need to be head down until the moment that you can actually play it. You know, you cannot be pushing the limits all the race. You're gonna end up nowhere. Yeah, indeed. Now, um, because uh, Roman has now won the championship, 
uh, you've won the championship as well, um, that you can go hell for leather in a New Zealand Grand Prix, which must be pleasing for you. Yeah, well, it's it's very pleasing to go there, relax, you know. Uh, and at the end, now I just I keep I keep wanting more, and also also Roman did those. We're starting in a very odd uh, off-grid position after the, the issue yesterday. We couldn't make it to Quali 2. Um, but yeah, I, I just want the best. At the end now, I'm looking for the team. I want the best for Michael. Still can do the P3 on yeah. the championship. I want the best for Liam. Anyway, I come along very well with Callum, and don't take me wrong. I, no, no, no. They, they, both, they both deserve the, this win, but... Yeah. If some of them has to win it uh, at the moment, I would say I would say I want it for Liam because it will come back to to M2. But yeah, definitely, Callum is doing uh, an yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. job to be there, just um, arriving here and sitting on the car and bang. So I was just interviewing Mark Pilcher, and um, he's already got 12 Grand Prix titles on his belt. So no, <laughs> well, I'm sure you, you know another one would be good. Um, so where do you go for next year, or the balance of this year, rather? Yeah, I'm doing Euro Cup three which is the uh, same chassis as I said uh, with the aero package, uh, new aero package, which we, probably, uh, we will probably see it here uh, in a short future. Do, yes. you know, do you know the driver yet? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Noah Lyle, uh, which is competing now in uh, Formula Regional, how they call it now, Middle East Championship. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm looking for well, another very well-educated driver. Uh, smooth debrief, straight to the point, and, and that's the thing I, I like the most, you know, from, from a driver. All right, well, all the very best uh, for today and, and for the rest of your year. Victor Cortez of M2, wonderful, congratulations. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport. Tony Whitlock, it's day three. Here we are at Highlands Park. I'm with Tom Buley, who just had one of those sort of rather unusual uh, race situations because he came from 15th on the grid in race two after copying a penalty for 15 seconds from race one. Well done. Yeah, thank you. It was a really good race. Um, you know, I made some good moves and uh, just picked my way forward and got the job done. Okay. And no one was obviously looking for repercussions or anything from yesterday. <laughs> they were behind you if they were. Yeah, no, nah, everyone was good. You know, it was a good clean race, um, good battle, so it was good fun. Okay. How long have you been in 86, Tom? Uh, this is my second season. Second season, okay. And how old? 16. 16, okay. We've been in Hawke's Bay, out in Havelock North? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay, right. Uh, part of your country. Now, your father actually, he was uh, telling me yesterday some of his history. And he actually knew my face from... Uh, 97, I think it was at Bathurst. Yeah, it's quite interesting, you know. Uh, Dad pr pretty much got me into racing. Started cutting when I was about four or five, okay. and uh, just grew from there. Okay, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got one older brother. He's just turned 18. And he's not go-karting. No, he used to go-kart, but uh, he'd rather become a mechanic. So, okay. yeah. Where do you want to go for this? Um, hoping to go over to Aussie and just go on the world stage somewhere. Um, just you know, make the best name for myself and uh, try to go as far as I can. Okay. I assume the supercars will be your target? Yeah, supercars or uh, somewhere in Europe doing GTs. Okay, all right. Well, it's good to have an alternative because obviously if you lock yourself into one idea and things don't work out, you know, it can be a trouble. Yeah, 100%. You know, um, I've got heaps of options, you know. Uh, I would like to go anywhere, to be honest, but, um, yeah, it's just trying to get there first. Okay, um, now an old friend of mine, and in fact a distant relative, John McIntyre, has been helping you. Um, how many rounds has he done with you? Uh, this is his fourth round, so he just started with us this season. He's done an awesome job, you know, round one he came on, and I just thought it was the best thing ever, so he's been really good. Okay, um, you obviously have to have innate sort of racecraft to get through crowds, because particularly when you're coming to the 15s. Is that something that John's also given you help in? Uh, not so much on that side. Oh, he gives me tips while I'm out there, you know, just if he thinks something's going to happen, but I've learned most of it from my karting and uh, just making good moves to that step. Yeah, okay. Alright, well all the very best. Um, so when do you think we'll see you back in Australia? I'm not sure, hopefully at the end of this year. Alright, wonderful. Thanks very much Don Buley. Best of luck in today's third race and we might catch you later on. Thank you. Welcome back to Inside Motorsports. I'm here with Nathan Hearn after he's won the third of the races this week in the Highlands, but it's actually the sixth of this Trans-Tasman series. 
congratulations, uh, Nathan, because they're actually uh, giving you handicaps that uh, didn't exist in books before. So it was another, it was a rear grid start for that one, and you only won by 22 seconds. No, yeah, it was, it was good. So that, that time I was, uh, you know, I was allowed to go full full ham and cheese, and um, as long as I start off the back of the grid, so which is good fun. And, and look, I mean, I've, I've raced these cars for a long time now. I've raced them obviously and won two championships in Australia, and raced the highest level over in America as well. And I've, I've learned a lot throughout my time in, in the series. So um, it, it was it was good to be able to, to see what I, I actually had built and set up wise. And, and these these tyres, they don't normally last very well. So to, to get a car that could do the lap times I was doing so consistently, I, I'm really stoked and. Um, definitely sets me up in the future. I, I want to do some privateer stuff, and uh, at least opens the door for me to just hop, rock up, go in a car, and, and go racing. I mean, obviously you're a very capable driver. I'm not taking that away from you at all, but you've reached a point now where you can actually be a bit of a, a gun guru to bring in as a, a, a crew chief on a car. Yeah, and that's that's what I've sort of wanted to do. So last year in America, uh, without getting too far into it, you know, I struggled a lot with the, with the team and. and how that all ran. Um, so for me, in, in this off-season, this 2023 break to 2024, I've, I've basically said to myself that um, I want to make sure I know everything about a car. So I want to know how to get it to the track, I want to know how to make it go fast, I want to know how to make it last under a race distance. So for me, this, this off-season has been a lot of studying. Um, I don't have any university degrees or anything like that. I dropped out of high school, but um, I'm just all, all about trying to make this car as fast as possible. And, and obviously... The hardest thing I think in racing is, is the driver and engineer relationship. And what, what I meant about the team before in America, it's not saying that they weren't capable at all. They probably they were a very capable team. It's just um, sometimes you just don't speak the same language, and when you don't speak the same language, nothing works. So yeah, at least I, at least if I can speak the language myself, that, that's that's you know it takes out the middleman. Indeed, I was actually talking to uh, Roman Walensky's engineer, uh, who's a Spanish kid, uh, uh, Victor um, Cortez. And uh, interpreters—that's what you are, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we, we just tell the, the engineer what the car's doing, and, and if I can sort of, you know, throw things at it, I know what the change is. I can go out on track and say, oh, that's what the, that change does. And, and really, this weekend I've, I've thrown a lot of curveball things at it, and 99% of them are stuck. Last race, I, I I tried to measure the life of something to see how long I could have that um, aggressive setup in the car for, and it fell over halfway through the race. So I've, I've learned that now. Um, and, and I know what signs to look out for uh, in the car now, which is awesome. So you don't get these opportunities very often, so you have to make the most of them. I know that most of the elements are up in the air at the moment as to where you'll go next, but I hope that you'll keep in contact with Inside Motorsport so we can uh, keep on talking to you and, and reporting on where you're going next. 100%. I'm, yeah, I'm always looking to try and keep Australia in a loop with what's happening. For me, what I've struggled with the most is a lot of guys who go to America, you never hear from them again. So. You don't know what to look out for and the curveballs I've faced and the challenges I've faced. So uh, that's that's what I want to do. I want to, you know, for in five years' time when the next young bloke comes through and, and they're trying to get into America, I hope that they can sort of listen to things I've had to say. 99% of it might be wrong. Who knows? But, um, you know, at least, at least take some advice. If I can teach one kid one thing to do, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a goal for me. That's a win. So. Okay. I'm trying to remember the first time I interviewed you, and it would be at least three years ago. Uh, before you'd won multiple championships, and um, uh, you're a hell of a young man, um, and uh, to see your development over that time period is uh, is just delightful uh, because uh, you have really uh, you know, made yourself into something that's uh, very marketable. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, I mean, look, I mean, it doesn't take a guru to work out. My my career path has been very. Uh, hard in ways. Convoluted. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably... My vocabulary is not that good. But, no, um, no, that's all right. Convoluted is a word that yeah. says in and out, roundabout. You know? 100%. And yeah. then that, that's... Look, as, as shit as the whole wildcard thing was in 2020 and as much as I wanted to pack all, everything up then, um, I'm very glad I did. And it's made me a better person for what I do now. And, and especially even what's happening in America now. I've, I've learned so much in a short period of time. Sometimes, you know, when, when life goes to crap and, and your whole career sort of tumbles in front of you, uh, there's opportunities to be made out of that, so that's that's what I'm trying to tell myself at night so I can sleep. But um, look, I mean, I've learned a lot this weekend. I've got other ways I can go about it, which is what I'm gonna I'm gonna do. Um, I've got some really really good people around me, a lot of great mentors, which I'm very lucky to have. Some people go through life without a mentor, so um, yeah, I've I've learned a lot. People are always in worse situations than, than what I've been in, so 
um, yeah, we'll just keep on chipping on and, and see what happens. Well, Nathan, you are an absolute example to uh, how make the best with what you've got, and you certainly are, and I look forward to hearing the next chapter. Thank you. Cheers. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport, Tony Whitlock, and I'm here with Alice Buckley after the last of three races of the current series. Um, Alice, uh, welcome to Inside Motorsport. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure. Um, okay, so you've been busy both uh, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, you come from Brisbane, Yatla Way. Tell us about uh, your racing career to date. Um, so I started in karting. Um, when I was six years old and then progressed through karting categories, made my way to seniors and then um, popped out of karts and decided I really wanted to pursue a career in motorsport and found myself in a Hyundai XL Acura and um, been in the Toyota 86 series recently. I got in that last year and did their uh, scholarship series. Um, which is a feeder category for people learning and getting used to the Toyota cars to progress and be able to race Toyotas in front of the supercars, which I am lucky enough to be doing um, this year. I did it last year. And, yeah, I find myself in New Zealand racing Toyota 86s as well. Okay. And, of course, you said to me you've got two more rounds of this series to go. Uh, is there a title in the horizon for you there? Because you finished well today. Um... Realistically, the boys have been battling for a title very closely, but I had a DNF at Taupo that really hurt me. Um, but we're starting to rack in some results, so hopefully we get um, top ten in the in the series. But if not, um, we keep learning and progressing, and we're using the series as um, preseason testing and training and getting myself ready for at home to really get some results this year. Okay, so now you're. You said you're heading back to uh, Australia and Brisbane and uh, your brother's carving is next on the horizon. Yeah, so he's 13 this year, so he's racing KA3 Junior Light, um, which is very exciting. I hate watching him. I would rather drive myself than watch my little brother race. It's very nerve-wracking, but um, he's hoping to get a national title for the second time, hopefully, this year. Okay, um, well, if you tell us his name, we'll be able to watch him, because yeah. at the moment, we wouldn't know. We'd <laughs> Buckley out there somewhere, but we don't yeah. know his name. Yeah, Patrick Buckley. Patrick Buckley, yeah. okay. PB for sure, right. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. So, right. his name gets yelled around the paddock a fair bit, which is very exciting I hope for in a good way. Yeah, some days. <laughs> some days, okay. All right, well, thanks, Alice. Um, I don't think I'll be here for your next round of... Hampton Downs, you said? Yes, Hampton But I'll possibly be here for the uh, TOEFL when uh, supercars make their debut there. Have you driven on the track there? Yes, our round one was at Taupo. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so. I didn't see you at the A1GP, but you probably weren't even born then, so... <laughs> Thanks very much. Good Thank to talk you. to you, Alice Buckley, yeah. on Inside Motorsport. Nice meeting you. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport. It's the end of the New Zealand Grand Prix. It's been run and won by Liam Skeets, a man that Lyle Williamson, who I'm talking to now, but about his history and uh, place in the New Zealand Motorsport, but did you have any involvement with Liam Skeets? He came through the Motorsport New Zealand Academy, uh, which I'm still a trustee in, and I've been on that for 22 years. So. There's been quite a lot of young lads that you now see overseas um, that have come through that academy. But I know the family, and his dad is a friend of mine. So, yes, we've watched a young lad grow from karting through to the classy act he is today. He's a delightful young man. I've spoken to him several times this weekend, and I actually told him a story about Scott Dixon and how much further down the road he's... Because, of course, Scott is one of in the top five in the world in terms of being able to enunciate and talk about his racing professional success. Yes. As you well know, and yes. Scotty didn't start out that way. No, no, he was a 
good old family. The family put everything into it to get Scott going, and uh, they just never gave up. And even when Scott got to America, it was a bumpy trip for him, but he respects what his family did for him and other people in New Zealand. And, but he is what he is now, he's one of the best. He's a benchmark. Okay, I wanted to actually talk to you about your business and your career in motorsport because um, I know a little bit about it and you've, we've talked in the past about uh, many aspects of it, but um, there's a lot of young listeners who would have no real concept of <laughs> the length and extent and, uh, of uh, Lyle Williamson and international motorsport because without any shadow of a doubt you are, if not just the most successful in motorsport in the Southern Hemisphere maybe, but certainly in, in uh, New Zealand and quite likely in Australia as well. So give us a start, an idea about where you started sort of thing. Okay, well I'm the youngest of 11 and uh, I had uh, five brothers who three of them were right into cars. So from an early days in school, uh, we had a old engineering shop up the road and we had a um, friendly grocer who wanted to go motor racing and he's bought a Cooper uh, Vincent and I did my first race with my brothers uh, way back then. Um, had no idea what I was doing. I made the famous mistake of um, holding on to a red-hot exhaust after it had done a few races and everyone thought that was a bit of humour that I'd been initiated with the old trick. Um, from there, I uh, went to Archibald's, the JAG agents in New Zealand, in Christchurch, and uh, across the road from Archibald's was a wrecking company called City Wrecking, and they had a little race team of sorts, and I kept going over there and annoying them and annoying them, and then I started going there in the weekends, and slowly they got used to me being there and I started to do little jobs um, and then went to Speedway for my first race meeting in the late 50s. Um, we had two race cars, uh, an old 32 Ford which we won the New Zealand title in and we had a little TQ and uh, there was some good people around us in those days, good old mechanics, old school race mechanics. And uh, so I was off to Speedway um, each Saturday night. We'd do five races a night with two cars, so we were kept busy and we uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought I was such big time with my little old white overalls on with 21 painted and tyre paint on my back. And uh, that's started me um, uh, with the love of motor racing, really. By then, I was still young. Um, and then um, Archibald's invited me to go to a couple of races with Ray Archibald, who was the boss of Archibald's in that stage, who was racing a 3.8 Mark II Jag, and I thought I was in a Formula One Grand Prix. I just, I was so over the top, because I was quite a nosy, cheeky little bugger in those days, so um, it helped me get going, and from there on, I've really never stopped, so this is my 64th year. Um, of motor racing um, we've won something like 40 odd national championships What year did you start international motorsport? 1960 1960 yeah. That's an extraordinary year extraordinary, uh... I had no idea what I was forming or doing uh, Danny said to me if, if you, you want to do this and keep going with this, I'll help you. If you want to be a race car driver, then you might as well F off now. So <laughs> that, that, took the wind, that took the wind out of my sails, but 
but I knew I was never a driver at any rate, so, um, and my career just took off from there. Um, You've told me the story um, when it was a Tasman series, I don't know what year it was, when Denny had suggested that you could do something to help by cleaning his tyres. Yeah, well, after work at Archibald's, I in those days, Archibald's made their workshops available to the Tasman Series drivers, and, and Bruce and Denny and a lot of the boys would park their cars and check them over and do all the things they needed. So I hung around Denny's um, car the first year, and he spoke to me a couple of times, but um, not very much like get out of the way or something he would have said. But the second year I was back there as eager as anything and he said do you want something to do and I said oh yeah uh, so he said All right, get those wheels there and go in the cleaning bay and clean those wheels so I feverishly cleaned these wheels I brought them back all proud wheeled them in and then he had a look didn't say anything so I stood there waiting for the next job and uh, after I don't know how long, but it, was, it felt like an eternity to me. But he said, "So they're clean, are they?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, yeah." Once again, he was never a man short on swear words. Yes. Yeah. I'm useless. And I said, "Why?" And he goes, "You call that clean?" And I said, "Yeah." So he got my hand and he wiped it on the inside, and of course. I'd done an average job. <laughs> and also, um, he says, well, what about all these stones and those old Dunlop treads? Of, yeah. And I said, oh. I said, oh. So I started flicking them out. He said, no, no, I gave you the opportunity. You didn't do it right, so bugger off sort of thing. So I was gutted. So I stood around for a while. And then I saw him at the at Lady Wigram race, and uh, uh, he looked at me and said, "What did you learn?" And I said that I didn't do the job good enough. He says, "Yep. So you can either be an average or you can do things properly." And our relationship grew from there, really. But only when he came back down to the series in New Zealand. But, and of course he stayed uh, involved with me right to the end uh, when he passed away at Bathurst. Um, and we did, we had a lot of good times. But he was very good mentor to me. I imagine, Lyle, that because of such an extended friendship that it must have been terrific to actually see him come back to New Zealand and to settle back here. Yeah, well, I didn't think that much about it. He, he, uh, he was very unsettled when he came back, and I was pretty busy with racing at that time too with the PDL cars. And he kept saying, yeah, we'll do something, we'll do something. But uh, it wasn't until the Goldcorp uh, Commodores came along that we built over at Peter Brock's place with the Stone Boys, uh, that we really got racing again. Uh, but he uh, he did a few bits and pieces, and of course he then fell in love with truck racing, and it was all those sort of things that came through life as we uh, were moving along. But it, it is what it is. Um. Of course, you know, I was a childhood, Denny was a childhood hero of mine and, and uh, loomed large in my, my thoughts about motor racing and, and all that it went with it. And I've often considered Denny must have been the least rewarded Formula One champion ever in that because he came from a very small country, he was a very unassuming man. He didn't sort of big note himself at all. Never, no. No. And <laughs> he never would have thought, oh, I expect to get this, that, or the other thing. Um, he came from a very tough family upbringing. His dad was a VC winner in the war. He was a real tough man and tough on Denny. So Denny never had a... Uh, a family, family sort of thing. It was, uh, 
was very difficult and then now and again he would talk about it, mainly when we were doing long trips and things like that and yeah. at meetings and he'd put his feet up on the dash and, and chat but he, if you asked any questions or started talking to him about it, he'd shut up and just that was it. But he, he never was going to be and I am a, like a lot of guys in that era, and um, Bruce's death affected him. Yeah, yeah. There was a, just so many things at him, and then of course he lost his son, and uh, that I'd also lost a son, and uh, there was a lot of things that were um, made him harder and very hard to talk to. I never had that problem with him because. You know, we, we could talk about anything, but I knew not to talk outside the levels that we, we had established. But he, uh, yeah, he, he was, he's a tough man. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I actually remember I was coming over here on, on a regular basis um, when you were running in the Porsche Carrera Cup. I don't know what it was called here. Was it yeah, Carrera Cup? It was yeah. Carrera Cup. Um, and you had a large team, about half the field it seemed at times, but maybe not quite. Um, and it was very enjoyable for a whole bunch of reasons. The team was enormously successful. Now GT is your main uh, involvement in Canterbury? Yes, yes yeah. it is. Well, before the career, before you were here, I was doing the BMWs. Yes. And we... Craig Beard was driving for us, Brett Riley, Paul Morris, a lot of Australians drove for us. Um, but we won everything for a few years, uh, seven national championships. And then uh, Frank Gardner was getting unwell and uh, BMW approached me about moving to Australia and running the Coke team in Australia with BMW, which I did, and kept the New Zealand team going at the same time. That that was quite difficult. Then Colin Giltrap asked, said, what about we do this Porsche thing? Uh, we started with two cars in 2001, and at the cut-off point of that sort of championship, we had sold 59 cars wow. in New Zealand. And the, the area you're talking about, we were running 18 cars from the one team. Then our biggest, according to my wife, biggest mistake was uh, we also branched into doing the V8s with Angus Fogg and Paul Pedersen in the Caltex days. So we had two of those. Then we had four minis uh, that we were racing. We were racing two of the Toyotas, one was Shane Van Gisbergen and I forget the other driver, but that weekend we, I think we run 26 cars from the one team, but uh, that did my head in that weekend and uh, it's, I learnt that I wasn't bulletproof. But, um, and then we carried on doing... Uh, um, the super tours that were built in New Zealand and then we've done fairly well over the years in long distance racing which I get more enjoyment out of. We won a Bathurst in the, with Jeff and David Brabham in 96 and with, should have really been Craig Beard and Paul Morris but Due to a technical glitch in a pit stop, um, one car got penalised and the other car still got through and won. But um, we won the Australian Touring Car Championship and the Australian Manufacturers Championship. So um, we had a good run in Australia. <laughs> More than a good run, I feel. I think you are understating it. Um, but Lyle, I consider it a treasure. Thank you so much for your time today talking about it. Thank I'm, you for making the effort. Yeah, look, I, I, it's it's tiring <laughs> listening to it because it's an extraordinary uh, 
portfolio of work and uh, one I know yeah. you and your son Nick are enormously uh, proud yes. of what you've achieved. Well, I'm coming up to 80, so uh, next important part of it these days. I'm not as agile as I was, but Joy and I still go to work six days a week at the race team. Uh, we don't feel like we're going to work because we enjoy it. We've got so many good people around us and good drivers over the years that you see all around the show who work with us. So it's more a pleasure than a, a task. Well, Lyle Williamson of International Motorsport, thank you again for talking to us. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport, Tony Whitlock, I'm here with Stephen Giles. It's been my fourth or fifth series I've come to Stephen, you've had a particularly tough season this year because the end of it has been with, uh, well, you've lost a driver and lost a car and various other things. Yeah, it's not quite the end we wanted, obviously, but um, no, it was looking looking promising in the beginning. You know, it was quite competitive when we had um, Christian here as well for those first two rounds, uh, along with Caleb. Um, yeah, we were, we were battling at the front there. Um, Christian leaving, I wouldn't say uh, you know it's hurt, hurt the pace of the team, but it's just another driver in the mix that you can you can bounce off with um, you know data and, and feedback. So that uh, that left Caleb sort of as as the leader of the team, if you like. Um, and I mean he he's done a good job. Maybe consistency's been a little up and down, which is probably where we've been lacking. Um, and it's a great shame that obviously he's uh, he's out for the, this last round. Yeah, so he had a qualifying crash uh, on Saturday, yep. um, and has damaged himself. Yes, he had a he did have an accident on Friday. We repaired repaired the car overnight. Uh, unfortunately, come Saturday morning and qualifying, um, very diff different corner on the track, but very very similar incident. And, uh, and this time he hit the wall and uh, broke a bone in his hand, so that sort of was the end of that. And then unfortunately Alex Crosby driving for you. Um, yeah, again, so yesterday was a, a busy day for us. We, we just fixed two cars and then uh, Alex in the first race had a unfortunate incident uh, on the bridge approach and, and hit the sausage curbs badly, launched the car and it, it damaged the, the chassis, the tub. So we had to replace the monocoque overnight and build, basically build a new car overnight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Never easy in a race weekend to be doing that. No, we'd, we'd been doing pretty good up until today, or <laughs> yesterday. So. <laughs> okay. Um, overall, the series, um, you know, you've said to me before, you've done the 16 series um, and 14 of them as a team owner. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's obviously a role model uh, in the way to run a series. Toyota series, Barry Donaldson first, now Nicholas coming on. Um, it just works incredibly well. Yeah, and it's different to every other junior series, or probably every other series in the world. And, and the fact that you've got the manufacturer support with Toyota, who you know couldn't happen without, quite simply. And, and the model, you know, with everything being equal, them owning the cars and leasing them to the teams to to run all at a fixed cost, and it, so it's a very very level playing field you yeah, know, you know um, where you are at any it, time yeah and, and and that's financially as well with you know the driver uh, budgets and everything so the teams aren't competing against each other around the cost side of it we're just competing on the track yeah. um, I, I thought it was interesting uh, to comment that uh, Nicholas made to me it might have been the Grand Prix a year or so ago in Australia um, when uh, he said to me that uh, during COVID, Toyota Japan had sort of spent, spent more, not least. Yeah, um, not not sure what happened there, but <laughs> oh, it would have been nice, but we couldn't. So yeah, indeed not. Yeah, because we missed a couple of years of competing in the series. Yeah. So there was the, uh, the New Zealand Grand Prix, which was only a two-round series one year. Uh, yeah, in 21, we did a three, like a three-round New Zealand series. Uh, the Grand Prix itself was was well supported with local drivers. Uh, that's when Shane Van Gisbergen and Andre Heimgartner came in from their supercar gigs, being Kiwis, they could could get into the country. But that, that was a bit of a one-off, and then we followed that up with two rounds, but um, low, low grid numbers, relying purely on the Kiwis. Okay, 
Um, so apart from yesterday and you know the end of a series is always tough when you're losing cars and the drivers. But um, overall, will 2025 be a season similar to this for you? Oh, we hope so. You know, we're always aiming to get 20 cars on the grid. We just have to see. There's at this uh, what's what's happening now around the world with the junior categories. Um, there's a lot more competition for us uh, in the UAE, in Spain, with their four championships starting and. Uh, so a lot of the European teams that used to come out here and send drivers here are doing their own thing now in other parts of the world. So that's made it difficult to find drivers, which is why we haven't managed 20 on the grid. Yep. You know, we've had 16 to 18, which is still a pretty good number. I mean, 20 would be nice, and we'll just keep working towards that. But uh, we'll see. All right, now, um, you know, I've heard various conversations with different team owners. You know, there's a possibility of a new car, you know, at the earliest would be 26. Yep. Um, this car is quite durable and, and obviously well used in other regional series, so it's worth, it improved itself. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, uh, you know, with sitting out two years of COVID, they, they haven't even done a lot of work, so Toyota have made a huge investment. Um, you know, based on getting five or six years worth of use and and so far they've really only had three proper years of use, three and a bit. Um, so I, I, I would imagine they'd, look at, they'd be looking to uh, get return on their investment, so that might dictate uh, the introduction of a new car, but it would also, I think the main point would come down to the, the relevance of, of the car we use here to the rest of the world. Um, it's got to be attractive to drivers, uh, to, to you know, for something that they're going to race uh, in a similar, you know, a similar category, different part. Okay. Now I've seen you in Australia numerous times, um, not as Giles Motorsport, but as Stephen Giles, yeah. uh, going for hire. Uh, have you got anything coming up over there soon? Uh, nothing firm in Australia this year. Um, once uh, after COVID things dried up a little bit, I'd, I have done a little bit of S5000. Um, we'll see what that series is dried up as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, the last two years I've actually been uh, travelling up to the US and working for contracting to Kiwi Motorsport, so uh, engineering for them and Formula Regional. And uh, I'll be doing the same again this year. All right. Yep. Well, Stephen Giles, I hope you're back here in 2025. Yep. I don't know about 2026. For you or for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thank you again, Stephen Giles, for joining us on Inside Motorsport. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.